third down and 10. Airing it out. Carr. It is caught. Henry Ruggs is gone. Touchdown, Raiders. Sprinter speed. Just throw it up there if you're Derek Carr and let Ruggs go and get it. 61 yards. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oof. High and low sports fans. An all-time bloodbath on the gridiron for Dave Damashek, but still showing up for work here, ready to roll. Pitt loses. Gets upset horrifically. Indiana University should have beaten the Cincinnati Bearcats in Bloomington. They didn't. The Steelers upset by the Raiders. By the way, good news there. We will be talking to... Derek Carr's older brother, the first overall pick back in 2002 of the Houston Texans, David Carr, coming at us in just a couple of minutes there. My gentleman, after all, Mo Damashek raised a polite boy, and I must extend the hand of congratulations to David. David, of course, you can watch on NFL Network. Total access, make sure you're looking at that when he's on. No one better at breaking down a QB. He likes the high pedigree, guys. So what his thoughts are on Tom Brady who continues to rule pro football 20-something years in. It makes my head spin. So, too, do my fantasy teams. They lost. I'm glad nobody likes hearing about anyone else's fantasy teams because that's a bad spot, too, for Damashek. You know what? I got to wear it. Two weeks into the pro football season, it all starts with me. You know, you think you can just show up and throw it out there, you know, I, I, you know, I got to take a long look in the mirror, and I think Dave Damashek and his favorite football teams and his favorite fantasy teams, uh, you know, we're going to find out what we're all about going forward. You know, we're going to see what we're made of here, and um, you know, we're we're gonna we're not going to lay down here. We're going to keep on uh, we're going to keep on working at it here. The other big takeaway of the football weekend that doesn't necessarily apply apply to just me, but to anyone who enjoys pro football, Eddie Spaghetti back from his Pearl Jam show, which I want to hear about, is Tom Brady still doing this remarkable. Lamar Jackson with an all-time performance, as far as I'm concerned, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, the Chiefs are not world beaters on defense, but I really thought with the injuries, I guaranteed victory, as close as I can come to guaranteeing a victory for one pro football team over another. I was certain that the Chiefs would beat the Ravens at least. I was positive they would cover the three and a half. I thought that was an awfully low line. I suggested that you could have some fun on FanDuel and take it up to nine and a half, tease that number way up there, and they would still be comfortable. And I felt like I was in a good spot midway, late in the third quarter. I still figured... Patrick Mahomes, it's right there. He's going to hang one touchdown. Then they'll turn the ball over at some point again. Lamar Jackson will throw a bad pick or something. They'll put it up. All of a sudden, it's going to be an 18-point lead. Lamar Jackson instead, like I say, with an all-time performance, with a tattered offensive line, no weapons or few to throw to, pulls that one out. Remarkable stuff. And what are we talking about or what am I thinking about now? It feels like most people are with me on this, too. It's the dumb penalties. Penalties. That's what rules the day. Taunting penalties and otherwise. What should have been a great game between the Cowboys and Chargers was instead the highlight of that game was the yellow flags. Well, it wasn't a highlight, but it was the the takeaway of that game was just the the penalties um, throughout the game. It really tarnished what should have been a great game. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? Tough weekend-ish for you. 
the Giants lose on Thursday. Notre Dame again scratches out victory uh, against a woeful Purdue team. How you doing there, fella? Well, like you said, uh, better because I got to win. Uh, the Irish got to win a big game upcoming this Saturday uh, versus Wisconsin in Soldier Field. Humongous game. Uh, would love to be there in the stadiums for that. But oh, yeah, the Giant, the Giants game, uh, still kind of upset over that because I think some parts of the team did play well. And this is something that we were texting about with Hench over the weekend. Was like, I don't know who's good in the NFL right now. The teams are playing so weird. Players you expect to play really well are not playing up to their speed. Is it the lack of preseason? Who knows? Really Really what it comes down to is the the Buccaneers and Tom Brady seem to be the only team I could trust right now after the Chiefs lost last night. So very strange start. These it really is true, right? That's the takeaway. The one dependable thing now, and maybe we should be grateful for it. It's a, sort of like a, it's like a, a, a jazz quartet. Like, yeah, the other people are going to go off and do that. Kyler Murray's going to take it as far away from the baseline as you can get. As long as you have a steady hand uh, uh, um, on the drums, everything will be all right. That's what Tom Brady is providing for us because i don't know what to think i was correct on saying the titans would win outright that was my uh my puppy of the week on extra points with uh, with cousin sal and martin weiss um so i was right there the seahawks are in last place for what that matters i i i think what we must do spaghetti is resist the urge to w- read too much into almost anything we saw uh, Steelers fans on the banks of the three rivers, it would seem that the sky is falling there. If you're looking at local media over there, listening to the fan base, Raiders fans, conversely, feeling awfully good right now. I hate the MVP conversation this early in the season, but since everyone insists on perpetuating it, I think Derek Carr is unquestionably your MVP at this point in the season Um, to wit He's gone from plus 5,000 on Saturday night to on Monday morning being plus 2,000. So if you like where Derek Carr is headed and where that Raiders team is headed in the rugged AFC West, you might want to sprinkle a little something over there. I like Sal's uh, uh, idea, or was it Martin Weiss's uh, idea? Either way, bet every quarterback in one division that you really, really like. I don't think that's a crazy bet to say Mahomes, Justin Herbert, with the way he's looking early on. Um, bet those and, and Derek Carr, bet all three of those guys and you and you have a decent shot at coming out on top or go with the old man again, Tom Brady. Spoiler alert, the, the Buccaneers are going to be relevant. They're the one dependable thing, like we say. But the Seahawks, I was skeptical going into the season in a brutal NFC West. I still think they're um, going to wind up in last place if the Niners can just get healthy. Um, but speaking of Seattle and you know, that's where grunge music comes from. Eddie Spaghetti, very quickly, before we get to David Carr here, how was uh, your time seeing Pearl Jam for the first time in many years? How many times have you seen this band already? It's ridiculous. This was uh, my 20th show, so very My uh, goodness, very that's lucky. enough already. 20th show since 2008, um, first time in three years since I actually did see them in Seattle in 2018. Uh, it's been far too long, but it was great to see live music out on the beach in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And for those who have never been to Asbury Park, I, I, I couldn't recommend it more. It's just a, a town that's seemingly built by Bruce Springsteen. A lot of great music venues there, the Stone Pony, Wonder Bar, uh, awesome boardwalk there. So it was a really cool venue to be on the beach, my feet literally in the sand. Um, only, you know, I would say, you know, five, six people off the rail right in front of uh, Eddie Vedder to see them play. So with my you know friends and my brother, great experience. And I will be seeing them again next week down in Orange County. So I, I'm, I'm a lucky person. It was it was great outside of the uh, 85 degree day with no cloud cover and uh, massive amounts of sunburn. It was uh, pretty good. 
20 times to see Pearl Jam. They have enough songs to make it worthwhile. They have plenty of songs and they yeah. constantly change their set lists. And, you know, when a band plays three hours and it's always a new show, no matter what time you go, uh, that's what makes them, you know, yeah, that's why you always come back. Um, again, um, Notre Dame survives Purdue. Big spot for them. Um, let's go over some early lines here for Saturday. Um, in college football, not a ton of juicy games, a good SEC game out there. Like you say, Soldier Field figures to be a fun one. I'm surprised by the number there. Lay it on me, Spaghetti. What are the juiciest games on the uh, college yeah. football slate this weekend? Well, I, I want to start with that one. Like you just said, Notre Dame getting five and a half right now. If you go to FanDuel.com slash minus three. And I kind of like them getting five and a half. Uh, they're playing a Soldier Field in Chicago, not too far. I've been told it's relatively close to South Bend, like hour, hour and a half from South Bend. So you will get a lot of Notre Dame fans in Chicago. Oh, yeah, it's definitely close, yeah. Right, and uh, it's the Jack Cohn revenge game. Not, and Revenge from what? Not really sure, but you know, obviously we know that he did play at Wisconsin. Now the Notre Dame's quarterback. The team did look better last week. Obviously, Wisconsin had the early season loss versus Penn State, so they really need to win this one versus a ranked team to have any kind of Big Ten hopes alive, but I do like Notre Dame. I do think Brian Kelly will have them up for the big game. Uh, I hope they win this one. This is not my bias speaking. Um, to move it along to other games that are kind of intriguing. What are, wonder if Brian Kelly would listen if USC called him. What do you think? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he's going to probably have another few years in Notre Dame and then retire and Marcus Freeman will become head coach in Notre Dame. I don't think Brian Kelly's going to go anywhere else. I think this is by far his last stop. He's getting up there in age. I think he's he's done. He's been coaching for like 30 plus years. I think this is uh, I would I would be shocked if he was still coaching Notre Dame three years from now. That's my are you uh, taking are you really going to retire? How old a man is he? He's not super old, but I just I've just heard rumors from the beat writers and stuff that his you know his time it's a there's like it's a ticking you know time bomb before he's done. I shouldn't say time bomb, but it, it, it's a clock. It's uh, he's <laughs> better he's, than being uh, Urban Meyer, right? Right, and saying like, yeah, now I'm going to go conquer the pro game, um, spare himself, uh, save some dignity, and let uh, Herb go down in flames in Duval County. Um, I'll tell you, you know what? I know it feels easy because that number is fishy to me. And if I've learned anything from Cousin Sal, it is when a number looks fishy, take the take the dog in that one. Wisconsin's only given five and a half to Notre Dame. I know Wisconsin hasn't, you know, hasn't set the world on fire themselves. I do like Wisconsin's quarterback. Um, and I, I want to take the Badgers here minus the five and a half. And so I will. Um, but I do feel like there is some weird, I don't, I'm sure you as a Irish guy, um, ascribe some magic to it, but the, they do seem to show up in a different way for big time games. And so I I hear you that, um, that five and a half is, is very appealing on the Notre Dame side of things, but I'll, I'll go against my instincts and I'll say that Wisconsin is the better football team practically and will uh, win by a touchdown. I, I don't know if I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, they only mustered 10 points versus Penn State, and then their only other game was versus Eastern Michigan, which they, they won, but not you know a, a huge level of talent there. If they lose this game to Notre Dame, then they have uh, Michigan next week too, so they could really be out of things completely uh, if they slip up these next two weeks. But I, I still think Notre Dame is l- the more talented football team, and I think they're going to shake that stink off from the early games versus the, the Toledo at home and the FSU. Um, I, I like Notre Dame to rebound and, and win a close one, but it should be a fun game in a great venue so uh, like I said I wish I can go to that one another game I'll throw at you which is a very interesting one which really shouldn't have been 
Clemson last week barely got by Georgia Tech. They won 14-8. to Now they have NC State. They're at NC State. Right now, if you hit uh, fano.com slash minus three, NC State's getting 10.5 at home. I know we talked to Will Brinson a few weeks back, and he was pretty high at NC State. I kind of would not be, you know, that that could be an upset special there. I, I like NC State plus 10.5 at home. I mean, DJU has not really shown us what he's capable of yet. And the ACC, which we were down on earlier in the year, obviously with the, the losses to UNC, Clemson's loss to Georgia, this is another game where Clemson loses, you know, no matter what, the, what they want to do with the AP polls, they cannot leave Clemson this high anymore. I know they did drop a little bit because of their poor performance for Georgia Tech, but 10.5 NC State at home, I mean, I don't know. Clemson's not really wowing me yet. I think this could be a, a pretty interesting game. By the way, uh, the whiteout was a lot of fun um, in uh, in uh, Penn State there. Yep. Penn State one, right? won the game. I'm no Penn State fan, but I'm glad that justice was delivered at least that Clemson and Ohio State um, dropped a little bit. I That is the funny line of the week. We've learned now. It's funny that the bookmakers, when it's a huge number, they love to put that hook on there. I think it's their inside joke. Coastal Carolina's, for instance, playing UMass this weekend. Not laying 35. 35 and a half. It's a a half, but Ohio State has the best one of all. They're laying not 49, not 50. 49 and a half. I love that. uh, I love that that number exists out there. What else, Spaghetti? Another game I like, uh, let's go down to the SEC here, Florida and Tennessee. Tennessee's traveling to Gainesville. Right now, Florida's giving 19.5 on FanDuel, so just a shade below three touchdowns. Look, I said that the Florida-Alabama game could be really close. Florida, uh, they covered in that one. They only they lost 31-29 to Alabama. Um, they showed they are actually a for-real SEC team, and maybe Alabama isn't by themselves uh, you know, in the, the pantheon of the current college football teams. But I, I like Florida in this one to just absolutely blow the doors off Tennessee. Obviously, they're going to be frustrated after a loss to Alabama in a game they could have won. I think they could beat Tennessee by, you know, three, four scores and definitely cover that big number. I think they're going to show people that they are for real, maybe could challenge Georgia um, and Alabama at the top of the SEC. I was really impressed. By yeah, we'll did. see. We'll see about that. I do think they come out of it probably bitter that uh, that the comeback came up just short, but mm-hmm. they you know, they should feel good about themselves because in the second half, it wasn't it didn't feel fluky. They pushed Bama around. They got back into the game because of that. Miami Jones, Heisman pick, long shot, probably is dead. I did at least get the Gators right there, um, plus 15 and a half and uh, the the money line bet that some people got excited about making came real close to coming to pass. Um, another good SEC game, though, this weekend, A&M in Arkansas, right? Uh, yes, AM and Arkansas. Let me get that line for you right now. I think it's five and a half if I saw it correctly. Last I looked this morning, I think it was five and a half there. Yeah, and the, the, talk about the SEC, you need a team that could potentially challenge. Is anyone could challenge the, the Georgia and the Alabamas? I personally think it could be Florida. A lot of people are high in Texas A&M. Obviously, last year, with the way the playoff worked out, people who are uh, fans of Texas A&M were pretty upset they did not get a chance to, to go into the Final Four here. I still think Florida has the more talented roster. I know they lost a lot of pieces, but uh, Texas A&M should be able to handle Arkansas. I know everyone's in love with Arkansas if they're upset win a few weeks back, but – 
five and a half for AM. team that's supposed to be in the upper echelon. I think they should definitely uh, cover that one. And if you're ready to move on, the, another game that I'm interested in, because I did pick Oregon to win the Pac-12, and I know that USC I'm lost. taking, by the way, I'm taking A&M by a touchdown. Of course, yeah. I think, I think that's definitely the play. Uh, another team that I'm interested in watching because of my pick in our EP uh, Futures draft was the Oregon to win the Pac-12. And USC losing to Stanford was a big blow. Obviously, got Clay Helton fired, which I think was probably long overdue. But uh, they're only giving 12 and a half right now to Oregon State. And if you look at what USC has been doing offense, I mean, they scored 30 points week one, 28 in the loss to Stanford. I know they get, did give up 42 points there. Um, they beat Wazoo 45 to 14 at uh, in Pullman, which is a, a tough place to play. So, I mean, they only give up seven points week one, 14 points week two. I don't know. Stan- the Stanford game. Slovis, I'm gonna, Slovis. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk the Stanford loss up to just uh, a, a bad game. You know, teams usually could afford one loss and still maybe win the Pac-12. And I think I'm watching the USC the rest. Of, they're playing angry football uh, as much as it pains me to say this. So if UFC, I, I could see them winning this game by three touchdowns right now and, and try to keep pace with Oregon if Oregon does slip up to win this Pac-12. Because I think, like you just said, Keaton Slovis actually is a pretty good quarterback. A lot of people do like him as a dark horse for Heisman. And uh, they're a team that when their coach was fired, they didn't kind of clam up and play bad football. They're playing angry football, like I said, and they're uh, trying to show that they are uh, trying to get back to the, the USC of old when they were the dominant force in the Pac-12. They could recruit any player they wanted. They haven't really been that in quite some time, but I think um, they're going to actually play some really good football here, and they should whip Oregon State. All right, and as we uh, turn back to pro football here and get ready for David Carr, I'll say this about uh, the ugly events in Heinz Field on Sunday. The Raiders might actually have a halfway decent defense. They certainly have a pass rush. That was uh, a tremendous factor, of course, against uh, the Steelers, young, and um, not exactly uh, a position of strength um, offensive line for the Steelers. All over Roethlisberger. I, he's, he's taken all the slings and arrows. He went to the podium after the game. And said, um, it's all on me. You know, I have to play better. Apologize to the fans, all that stuff. Don't buy that stuff, everybody. Clearly, he's trying to take it. Chris Carter, if you missed it last week, said that Ben Roethlisberger will blame everybody but himself. And he's not a smart guy. Chris Carter takes one to no one. I'll say that. Um, Nice and clean, uh, Chris Carter's uh, career for him to be taking shots at other people. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I think that Roethlisberger uh, uh, trying to find the glass half full in uh, from uh, two weeks in here with the Steelers offense. I don't think he can question Roethlisberger's arm. He's actually moving better than I think a lot of us thought he was capable of extending plays like he used to. He's still sturdy back there, hard to get down to the ground. I just think the offensive line is not giving him even a second to unload the ball. I think that if you're trying to make a case that, see, told you so, they should have taken an offensive lineman, not a running back. I think you see the difference that Najee Harris makes back there. He made special plays, if only a couple of them, difference-making plays that almost allowed the Steelers to to pull that game out in the fourth quarter. I don't think it's an issue of, you know, having made a mistake of drafting Najee Harris at this point. The offensive line just isn't good enough, and, you know, the the defense, it's easy to make the excuse, and it's a fair excuse to throw out there that they lose T.J. Watt during the game. 
who is in the conversation for best defensive player not named Aaron Donald in pro football. So that's going to injure your chances of winning when you take him off the field, especially on a defense-dominant team or one that needs to be at least for the first half of the season until the offensive line can, uh, you know, optimistically get it going. But, you know, the Raiders had their absences too. Joe Hayden, you know, was uh, was a scratch, I guess, from Friday on became a question mark. So too did Devin Bush. That's not great when you're going up against the Darren Waller team. But it wasn't Darren Waller who beat him. It's uh, a credit to Derek Carr, you know, dropping dimes pretty consistently and especially in the second half. Um, you know, made big plays and that was the difference in the game. And I think for what it matters, he is the, your MVP two weeks into the season. And I think that the Steelers defense still for all the talk about Roethlisberger's arm and his knee, and it dates back to the last third of last season, the defense again, very talented. Even when you take a lot of big names off the field, terrible injury for Tyson Alu Alu early in the game too. The defense must make third down stops. You cannot get smoked on third and 10, no matter the circumstance. And Minka Fitzpatrick, they're all pro safety back there, has to make a play. He didn't make a couple of plays in big spots there. That was the difference in the game. Now the Raiders catch the Dolphins at home, a classic 70s rivalry from the AFC days. Steelers catch the Bengals at home. Steelers uh, laying a paltry four and a half to the Bungles. Oh my, sky is falling in Pittsburgh. Let's break it down from both the Raiders and Steelers' point of view with one of our very favorites from the NFL Network. Here comes David Carr, everybody. All right, here he is, everybody. He's a car, in a car, exclusive post-game. I'm a gentleman. Mo Damashek taught me manners. I have to extend the hand of congratulations to a car family representative on behalf of the Damashek family. A perfect car weekend, the yin to the Damashek family's yang, Fresno upsets UCLA on Saturday night. Then Derek Carr goes into Heinz Field and does his best David Carr impression. Leaves with a victory once again. How are you, fella? David Carr. I'm great, Dave. You know, I I uh, it started off with a great win, like you mentioned. Thank you for bringing that up. Fresno State, near and dear to our hearts. Beat UCLA, but it's the fourth straight time, so I don't really know what the whole debate is on, oh, this is an upset, like how is four straight times. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. we're the best college football team in California. That's neither here nor there. Okay. The Steelers. What I want to say to you is just a heartfelt thank you because I feel like you had something to do with what happened. TJ Watt goes out in the first couple series and he clearly is dominant. And I think that just to make it fair, he decided to hang it up. And I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't thank you enough because he went over to the sideline. He watched just as I watched and as you watched from the sideline as a spectator Clearly felt like he was he was going to be something that was going to be an issue for my brother and for us to enjoy and finish off the weekend. So I want to just say thank you for for whatever you may have done to keep him on the sideline, because that helped a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, now I'm not I'm not wearing the Damashek family representative hat. I'm going to wear the Pittsburgh Steelers representative hat. And on behalf of that organization, we felt bad about the whole Antonio Brown thing. And we felt like we kind of put 
our, uh, you know, our, our, our stale food into your fridge. And, and, and Derek was forced to try to eat it in that video. Remember when yeah, AB stopped by the house and they had to talk to each other and then things well, and then he came out. to, then he came to my nephew's birthday party and we shared right. cake and we had uh, obstacle course racing and, right. and we hugged at one point and I felt like this could be real. And then, and then it wasn't. So yeah, I appreciate you. Finally, it's been a while since that situation. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. that, but it came back around and you had the opportunity to just kind of do what you did. And I appreciate that. Well, it was a make good. And yeah, if I, if I remember correctly, he brought Antonio Brown, brought his own cake to your nephew's birthday Gluten-free. party. Yes. Gluten-free. Very strange. Very strange. Yeah. But anywho, we're not here to talk about that. In fact, I do want to talk about Darren Waller. And have you spoken with Derek since victory? Have I have spoken with Derek and uh, you know you you have some formidable uh, coverage guys in the back end of that mm-hmm. uh, secondary. Minka Fitzpatrick comes to mind. Um, even though you were without Joe Hayden, there's still still a quality defensive structure back there. And Darren Waller was only really in single coverage a handful of times. And every time that he was, Derek obviously targeted him. But a credit to the Steelers for clearly not allowing that player to beat them. Well, I mean, I wonder if Derek, does he, uh, it it feels to me like almost like Matthew Stafford in Detroit, it would almost be like, yeah, I'm just going to throw it at Megatron all the time. In a way he won this game without a a couple of essential catches down the stretch there by Waller, but it was, but it was the Derek Carr show. It was not the Darren Waller is a a matchup nightmare. Mika Fitzpatrick more or less was able to silence him throughout the game. He did get him for a couple of big ones there. Is that, is, is that an extra boost to, uh, to the Derek Carr? Hey, by the way, congratulations. I'm ready to give it out right now. The two week NFL MVP Goes to none other than Derek Carr. I don't know what it's worth. I'll accept I hate the conversation, yeah. but since everybody likes to talk about who the MVP is, three minutes after the season kicks off, Derek Carr is in the, is in the front runner seat. I'll accept the seven percent of the season award on his behalf. I think that we would like to see how the rest of it plays out, but so far, good start. I think the I think the yeah, what you mentioned about Darren Waller it is interesting. It is no secret that. John Gruden and Derek, if you ask either one of them, the first read on every play is Darren Waller. That's just what it's going to be. So if you don't cover him down appropriately, the ball is going to go to him. And I think that the the issue with a team like Pittsburgh is they have players in the back end to take him away, and then other guys have to step up. Like even on the touchdown pass to Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller was being doubled by Minka. And Minka had his attention elsewhere. It wasn't like... Oh, they caught Minka flat-footed, and Henry Ruggs ran past everybody. It was no; he was trying to keep Darren Waller from winning on a route that he clearly would have won on had Minka not been in that area. So, I think that I even tweeted during the game. It's like I want Derek. Derek needs at least fifty pass attempts. Running the football was not an option. I don't know if you noticed that, but even without T.J. Watt, running the football against Pittsburgh Steelers just was not going to happen. So, you know, for me, it's like I've been in that situation before. It's like, well, why are we even trying? You know, you establish the run, even come out at halftime. And I knew John was kind of just throwing smoke and mirrors, but you heard the sideline report coming out of halftime was like, oh, they got to establish the run. First play was empty. I'm like, he's lying to everybody. He doesn't want to establish the run. You can't run the ball right now. So I, I wanted him to throw it 60 times. I think he got close to 50, but it was it was better that it's in his hands 
And, and honestly, and, and I think we've, we've talked about this before and you've seen it happen being a Steelers fan, you, you have to spread them out. You have to like move them sideline to sideline and try to create matchups internally and, and just find out where your best matchup is. Cause no matter how good the Steelers have ever been, no one can really, you know, when you spread them out, there's going to be a mismatch somewhere. You know, there's, there's going to be a situation where you're going to have an advantage. So it's, it's guys like Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro made a couple of nice plays, even like Derek Carrier and Foster Moreau. Like those guys had to step up to make enough plays to beat those guys. But, you know, they've had to deal with that in the past. The last couple of times that the Steelers and the Raiders have played, it's been like a field goal game. You know, for me, really, it came down to defensively. They, the defensive line for the Raiders finally showed that they were worthy of that kind of competition mm-hmm. and played pretty well. So it gave them another extra couple series and maybe knocked Ben around a little bit. Some of them may be egregious. I would have called for a couple of personal fouls myself, but I'm, I'm a quarterback and I know how you feel probably about this, but I feel like he might've got a couple shots to the head and maybe that led to some other things that happened later on in the game. Agree with that. And I do want to talk about that, but real quick on Derek Carr, because I know you're not surprised by Derek Carr's 2021 performance so far. It is funny to me. It wasn't five minutes ago even, but of course we move on. We only react to what we just saw. But so it's ancient history that Derek Carr, even though people have let that uh, slip out of their memory, was the MVP before he broke his leg. I know that was six years ago now, but so it is the defense that's the difference here for yeah. for this year and and I don't I, we'll get, I, I want to ask you about mirages that we're seeing here there's some 2 and 0 teams out there there's some teams that haven't looked as good so far um based on what we expect there the, well actually before we get into any of that I do want to talk about that last play cuz that was the difference making play in the game was the touchdown to, to rugs did yep. Derek ID that he had uh, rug singled up out there and it was unlikely that Minka with the distraction of Waller was going to be able to help there. And he, cause it seemed like he knew he, where he was going with that ball from the snap. Right. Yeah. I, cause you can see kind of like, and I make fun of him all the time because quarterbacks do this when they know where they're going, they do like this backpedal, like fake, fake, like pump where it's not really like a pump fake. It's like, I'm just trying to like pretend like I'm, it's the worst pump fake ever. And he did that on that play. So what (laughs) happens is he had, he had Minka leaning towards Darren Waller, which obviously that's what you would do in that situation. And all that little pump fake was as he was retreating, which in no way was a throw was to just try to hold Minka on Darren for a split second. And he was able to do that. I think even Minka didn't really fully buy it because you could see that he was just trying to stay there long enough to make sure that Derek didn't throw the ball to Waller. And then he tried to retreat back. And when you look at it, now you just don't have enough guys to cover down because they brought an extra guy off the edge who was free and he was coming. So Derek knew he didn't have a ton of time. He probably could have thrown it to Hunter Renfro in that situation. I think it was I think it was third and 10. Um, Hunter ended up winning on that route, which is pretty likely because he beats everybody. I watched him play against Jalen Ramsey when they were in L.A. He beat Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I know we don't like to talk about the fact that he did, but he cooked him on every route on the inside. So he's going to beat everybody pretty much on the inside, which he did. But he but he just took a shot. And I actually love that because, yeah, Minka was still in decent position. It, it took a really good throw, and, and he obviously trusted that Henry was going to run away uh, from the cornerback. But, yeah, it was just split second. It was, the, it was the Darren Waller effect because Minka in that situation had to respect the fact that he could possibly throw this to Waller, which – you know, given the history, he probably would have if he wouldn't have played it as aggressively. So it's a tough play for the safety. He's trying to double one guy and he's got to get back and help to Henry Ruggs, who's flying, running four three. Not an easy play, but it was a great throw. And 
they just they just made the play because it was just like last week when they played Baltimore. They brought extra guys. They had extra rushers. Pittsburgh decided to do the same thing and challenge them, and they've been fortunate enough to make the the two plays that are almost identical coverage-wise in the last two weeks. And like you say, it still required a dime, and Ford delivered yeah. that, and uh, that was the difference in the game. Let's flip it the other way. You're a quarterback. Do you feel bad for Roethlisberger? And well, first of all, on the banks of the three rivers, the sky is falling. The team is one in one. There are 15 <laughs> games left. The Bungles are coming to town. We'll see how that one goes. But as it stands now, this offense is putrid. Everyone says Roethlisberger is washed. To my eye, you can certainly correct me here and tell me I'm wrong. It feels like he has zero. I don't know whether it would be Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, or anyone else, they are on him so fast, and he is getting the crap kicked out of him. Yep. And I feel like it's pretty clear in the post game that he doing a lot, you know, he's, it's all on me. It's all, I have to yeah. be better. But it's pretty clear that it's not on him. Or correct me if I'm wrong, it is a quarterback league after all, and he's going to the Hall of Fame, so I guess he has to wear it to some degree. How say you? I, I say that in the majority of cases, when you have quarterbacks that go to the podium and put it all on them, it's definitely not. I'll say that. So for me, I think the, I think the biggest issue is is up front, and I think that you know not that, not that they can't fix those problems. I think the I think the Raiders' defensive front is a lot better than they were last year. So I think that, you know, they have some veteran guys there that can apply pressure, and obviously Max Crosby and and Yannick Ngakwe, like those guys are. They're playing at a high level, at least for the first two games. So I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, it's over in Pittsburgh. In, in fact, I picked them to win the division. I still think that they will. Hmm. You know, And I, I like Ben. I, so Mike Sullivan is the quarterback coach for the Steelers right now. He was my quarterback coach in New York. And I talked to him last night. I talked to him this morning. He obviously was very uh, – he was praising Derek. And, like, he has some history with Derek. He worked out with him as he came out, you know, in the draft. We worked together. He stayed at my house for a couple of weeks. So I know Mike really well. And Mike doesn't – he's not going to BS me. He's going to tell me exactly what it is. And and I just asked him point blank. I said, How, how's Ben? How's he feeling? How's he look? He thinks that Ben still has plenty of arm talent. I mean, th- plenty. He's not going to – he's not going to shy away from that. He thinks that his mental approach is better than he thinks it's ever been before. Just hmm. in talking to Ben, Ben's locked in. Um, I think that offensive line-wise, yes, they, they're struggling. They're in a situation where it's going to be tough, but – it's not like they can't figure a way out of it with with the quarterback kind of going above and beyond the X's and O's, finding ways to get the ball out of the hand. It's still a new offense, too, you think about it. You know, I think Najee Harris is a guy that you think about the plays that he made the other day. Let's use him some more. Let's kind of build him into the passing game. Let's get the ball out of our hands faster. There's, there's things that Ben and Mike and these guys are going to be able to figure out and work through. Still a formidable defense. That defense is going to win you guys a lot of football games. I think that run game if you can figure out that maybe it's not 25 carries for a Najee, maybe it's, you know, a mixture of 15 and then maybe you throw it to him out of the backfield, maybe just get a little bit more creative, utilize some of the things you did last year. This team is still a very good football team. I'm not concerned about the Pittsburgh Steelers at all, but I do, I do give you, I, I will say the offense line is not what it was, but they have the ability to play better. They, they've faced some pretty good fronts. I guess I agree with that. And I I hate to always fall into the position of having to be the glass half full guy because that's not a comfortable spot for me philosophically (laughs) in life. But I I, 
I, I do agree with you. I think like that there are different ways to skin the cat when you have no offensive line. I think yeah. Roethlisberger, if nothing else, has made a point that the arm is still sound. Look at yep. the throw he made to Deontay Johnson. That was a dime. He made several Clay deep pool. throws. Yep. They had single high safety. That's basically what he's doing. I, I know the pass rush is going to be on me. I'm going to throw it up there and let one of these talented guys try and go get it downfield. Right? Am I missing something? Would Or would they be better no. off to go extreme and go like 22 per? personnel and put Derek Watt back there and one receiver and just try to keep seven clean because my concern is that it gets to be a David Carr with the Houston Texans in the early part of the millennium where it's just unleash the hounds every play and beat the crap out of the QB to the point that that he has to backpedal and is starting to see ghosts and everything else not that you saw ghosts yeah, well, I mean, I did. I mean, they're real. Oh, you did. Ghosts oh, okay. okay. Yeah, let's, just, let's just be okay. real. Because, okay. I mean, there's just like uh, – it, it happens to every quarterback. There's not going to be a situation the, – the hard part is what Ben is dealing with right now in, in his – in his actual meeting room is Mike Sullivan and those guys are trying to figure out ways to get completions, get the ball out of your hand. Um, let's give these guys a chance to win. You know, and then the offensive line coach is going to catch him in the hallway and say, we need to throw it right now. Like, get the ball out. I don't want to give up sacks. You know, so he's getting a lot of mixed signals. He's going to try to filter through that. Um, I, there's credit. I mean, there's 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 some validity to lining up in the I formation with two tight ends and, and Claypool out there or, or, or Juju or whatever and, and kind of working your offense there and keeping Ben healthy. I mean, there's, there's a lot of merit to that. Um, but, I mean, you just got to work through it, unfortunately. It's like one of those things where, you know, you, it is what it is. Like, you don't have the offensive line that you've had in the past. You have to find ways to create. And they've created before. They have ways. They have playmakers that they can just get the ball in their hands on the outside. You can use screens, obviously high percentage passes, which they did a lot last year, to kind of eliminate some of those negative plays. The thing with sacks and getting hit is if you let it happen early in the game, defensive linemen are like sharks. They're just going to keep coming. And if if they sense that there's blood in the water – they're going to go. And I talked to Dan Reno about this uh, actually a long time Whoa, ago. Whoa, what uh, a high-grade name drop. That one. Talk to Dan Marino. All, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. And when I met him in person, he was even better. And, and and he just sat and talked to me. I was a, I was a second-year guy. We, we had actually uh, met in San Diego at the Super Bowl. And he just started talking to me about this stuff. And so, I'm, of course, I'm going to ask every question possible. And he obviously, like, I just had come off of getting sacked 100,000 times. And he's like, Dave, you just got to get the ball out early in the game. Because if you get it out early in the game and you find completions and you get a little bit of rhythm going, even if you got a punt, the defensive line isn't going to be as aggressive. And they're not going to do what we saw happen to you where guys start just switching sides and jumping over. Like, oh, I want to get a sack on this guy. I want to get a sack on this guy. Like, you can eliminate a lot of that stuff from the quarterback position. And Ben knows that. So I I would expect them to do a lot more of that, kind of dip into what they did last year, a little more high percentage passes, maybe use Ben and his ability to read the defense and get the ball out of his hand to the appropriate guy as an extension of that run game until things clean up. Very interesting stuff there. Last thing uh, I I ask you is about the mirages and everything else. The only thing I feel bad for Derek about two games into the season is the division he's in. It's it's a brute. I mean, the the NFC West is worse probably, but this is pretty close there. Talk me into it. Why the Raiders are built for the long haul in 2021 and they are not going to be a mirage, even in the division that includes the Chiefs, a great Broncos defense and Justin Herbert. By the way, I still think the Chargers get that division. How say you? The Chargers are terrifying to me. 
Justin Her- Justin Herbert is a fantastic quarterback. Um, I was a little concerned with his new offense coordinator, Joe Lombardi, coming over. Didn't have great success in Detroit. Was in New Orleans for a long time, but it doesn't matter. The guy is incredible. He makes – I do this little segment on our Total Access show where we're supposed to find the five best throws of the day. He had three of them, and I couldn't put him in all three hmm. spots. So, you know, for me, yeah, it's an incredibly tough division. We saw the Chiefs obviously – do what they did. Ravens beat them. So what? Like, are they not the Chiefs anymore because they lost to the Ravens? I don't think so. It's going to be incredibly tough. The Broncos are 2-0. and I mean, come on. So for me, when I look at it, and I don't have to convince you of this or a lot of people that really watch the game, Derek, has ha- they've had a good offense for a long time. The Raiders have been pretty potent on the offensive side of the ball, especially with Waller. The offense line has been solid. Other guys have stepped up. They've made their plays. Um, it's defense for me. It's the defensive side. And in just looking at the first two weeks, it really has been that side of the ball where I don't need them to be top 10. I don't need them to be, you know, even in the top 15. Just don't mm-hmm. be 30th, you know? And I think that's going to be the difference, really, when you look at it. They beat the Chiefs last year. They lost to the Chiefs on the, the second time around off of blown coverage. They didn't play great on defense in either one of those games. Maybe the first one you can say that they did. But I think with the changes they've made on the defensive side, Gus Bradley being in there, I mean, he's he's they have adults. If you listen to Derek in his postgame press conference, they, he said the defensive line's his favorite unit because there's adults on the football team. Like, that's it. You know, I think that's going to be the difference. And you can say, oh, Derek's MVP candidate, which I appreciate that. Or I agree with you at this point, 2% into the season. But he's really playing the same way he's always played. He's been clutch in the fourth quarter. He makes plays. He makes throws to guys. It's been defensively they've found a way against the Ravens. Strip sack, knock the ball out, give them to give them the football on the 30-yard line. They score, score a touchdown. Yesterday against Ben, played re- very well against a great team, great quarterback. You know, that's going to be the difference at the end of this thing if they have, you know, three, four, five more wins than they did last year. I think 21st century technology is responsible for if if – America, football America has turned the corner back into being Derek Carr fans. It is the mic'd up element. I think last yeah. year watching him like, oh, that guy's in full command. Like, yeah. I, is there anybody who's more like type A, yeah, classic sure. QB type of guy? Like, oh, that guy's not the issue with the Raiders. I think that yeah. really did turn the brain, right or wrong, turn the brains around of the average fan. You're in a yeah. tough division. I hope the Raiders keep on rolling for the for the uh, lovely Carr family. It all ends, though. I mean, you could do this a million different ways, but Derek, I mean, David Carr, I should say, drafted out of Fresno 2002. He's now been retired for, what, four or five years, probably five years, something like that. Five years, probably, yeah. Handsome devil when he comes into the league, but young, now mustachioed, wisened (laughs) by, by life in pro football. Tom Brady's still doing it. Tom Brady, was in, he was a, he was at least the Super Bowl in by the time you get drafted. And he's still doing it. He's going to win it all again. It makes me loco. But I hope Derek Carr is at least in the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. So it's a nice, easy drive for you and Mama yes. Carr and Derek yes. and the rest of the gang there. Uh, muzzle tough to you. And as I say all the time. Yes, we have, you know, it's fun to talk to Dan Marino. For me, it's fun to talk to David Carr. Um, and uh, but but more importantly, your football success is great. The family success. But what a pal to pull over at the side of the road to break it down like a gentleman after the fact. And uh, only for you, man. We appreciate you, man. You got it, buddy. Anytime. You're the tops. The All great right, David Carr, everybody. Eight is double what four is. That's right. That's a nice Don't homage from it. younger brother. Good for a good Don't for you. It. Thanks, buddy. Keep coaching him up. There he is, David Carr, everybody.
Hey, if you haven't picked up yet on our conversation, FanDuel Sportsbook wants you to get the most out of every play this football season. The NFL is back two weeks in, and that's why FanDuel's giving everyone a $10 risk-free bet every week. We ask that you use the promo code MINUS3, the word MINUS, the number three. That's FanDuel.com slash MINUS3. All you have to do is bet a same-game parlay with three legs or more, and if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel's going to pay you back up to $10. We love FanDuel exactly because of bets like the same-game parlay, not to mention the fast payouts, the great site, so on and so forth. Right now, Spaghetti, let's talk about the Panthers and Texans. I like the Panthers big in this one. They're given seven points. That won't be enough for the home team to get past. Um, I like also Sam Darnold, probably based on the way I expect this game to flow. I think CMC is the big star. Go over his rush yards and I will go because it's a Thursday night game. I'm going to go under the 43 and a half. That's a low number for a pro football game. I'm going to say it's not even low enough. Again, we appreciate you betting along with us. FanDuel.com. Make sure you use the promo code minus three, the word minus, the number three, and we'll see you in the winner's circle. Or maybe we won't, but we'll have fun along the way, won't we? And that's it. Spaghetti, David Carr, a Pro Bowl performance, right? Oh, it was great to get David back here. He always brings us the, the best stuff here. And, um, you know, obviously he's going to be jacked up. Great win for them. It stinks for your Steelers, but I think they'll be okay. And some good news reading now is breaking. Deontay Johnson, not a serious injury, so they'll be back. And like David says, he likes them to still win the North despite the Ravens' win last night. So I think things will be okay for at least your team, not mine. You know what my favorite thing is uh, about football-based conversations with David Carr is that he played football and i like when he semi-validates my bad ideas when i say like hey put two tight ends on the field and the fullback of the field he's like yeah that might not be a bad idea that feels nice um you know because i'm a vain guy eddie spaghetti um chin up to you the irish big game on saturday eddie spaghetti really football is a distraction for him now now he's in the sweet spot with his beloved eddie vetter and company seeing them on both coasts thanks to david carr as always eddie spaghetti and thank you sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven <laughs>